0: The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, A Weber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, A Weber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web based email marketing, automation tools, and education. A Weber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by the Alternative Board. Since 1989, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one on one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to check out our affiliate sponsor, One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the avid podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Now, do you have any plans to license the name, franchise the the deal, you know, right now, stuff like, that. Uh, you know, sharing it with your audience?
1: Um, I have looked into franchising and I decided no. Um, I have looked at the licensing option and then I've decided no. Um, right now, my exit strategy, uh, which I truly am working on, uh, it's about four years away. Uh, it's a five year plan. I started uh, five years or a year ago. Is mm-hmm. is to get a strategic acquisition um, to be acquired into another okay. home service business? I. I'm betting that the uh, that the home services businesses in major metros are going to consolidate, and this would be one of many offerings that the a, a, a consolidated offering would have.
0: Okay, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We had another great guest today. I'll introduce Chris in a second. Um, if you are listening on your favorite directory, and you can leave us a review, leave us a five star review. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe, like. I don't know, hit the bell. I don't know what other buttons there are, but hit them all. And be sure to support us so we can keep bringing you great conversations like the one that we have today. So let's get on with the show. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident, that is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker, I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode.
1: Hi, I'm Chris Lalomia, and I started the Trusted Toolbox in 2008. We're a handyman and remodeling company, and I left the corporate zoo to jump into that wild world of running your own business. I actually took the time to write a book about it called From the Zoo to the Wild, and I'm excited to get on this podcast and share my
0: story with you and your audience. Okay, Chris Lalomia. Hey. Like Mama Piggy told me, right? That's right? You are the not only the owner of the trusted toolbox we're going to talk about you all of your business prowess um, but you are also a podcast host like me you host the small business Safari podcast and I believe I'm on your show like middle of April something like that's that that's right yep yeah. looking forward to it man okay so I'm sure by the time this comes out and we could, we'll be all over the place doing all kinds of stuff but why don't you you know introduce yourself who you are what you do maybe we go backwards because I know you're corporate right? where you're from, what your background is in business, and we'll get up to why you left there and all the trusted tool by, and all the great stuff you have to share. Sounds like a good track to run. On. I'm
1: ready to roll. So I'm originally okay. from the great state of Michigan, where you can use your hand to tell everybody where you live and put that up in the air. Uh, <laughs> went to school for mechanical engineering uh, and quickly uh, realized I was in the cold weather. So I ended up getting my master's in mechanical engineering down in North Carolina. Okay. went to work in manufacturing because that was my passion, Uh, but I've always wanted to run my own business ever since I was 17, and I realized I had zero business experience working as a manufacturing engineer, and I wanted to uh, get some more experience, so I went to work for a company at the time called Anderson Consulting, which is called Accenture today, Uh, and I did that in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is a huge banking hub. And I said, hey, I'm really passionate about manufacturing. And they said, well, you can be, but you'll be on the road 52 weeks of the year. We think you might be really good at helping banks merge and use your engineering skill set of problem solving. And then you might only travel 40 weeks a year. And I went, hey, hey, call me a banker. Put me in. I did not have to travel as much. And I started working with right. Nations Bank, which became Bank of America. Uh, I was on the merger team uh, doing a lot of different things and found my way into banking. And started doing a lot of fix-it things and doing work for large banks, uh, which got me into Atlanta uh, to a bank called SunTrust, which is now called Truist. Okay. And uh, I had a pretty successful corporate career. I was definitely intoxicated with the bananas they were throwing my way in the zoo. And that was, you know, I was making good money. I had had a job at that point. I had 400 people working for me at SunTrust, running commercial loan ops and reporting. Uh, and then okay. I realized I just wasn't doing what I love to do. I just hadn't started, so I started the Trusted Toolbox in 2008. That's right, right when the recession happened, and that was not the best timing in the world. Yeah, that was when the, all the real
0: estate crashed. Yep,
1: yeah. and so I figured handyman business, right? Recession resistant can't be that bad. Well, right, it was recession resistant. All right. I was able to grow slightly through it, uh, but really got my chops together, really built a good process based company. And today, 15 years later, I've got 44 employees. Uh, I've got uh, a number of handymen and I also have a remodeling division. And we've opened up another place outside of Atlanta. We're in the metro Atlanta area. Uh, for those listening, I opened up another place in another city called Athens, Georgia, where the home of the University of Georgia is.
0: Sure. Right. Absolutely. So, so you have an engineering background, you have a corporate background, so management and things like that. So it's kind of a good combination. Plus I guess you're hands on, right? So if you have to, the guy doesn't show up or something, you can go out and do, probably don't want to, but you know. You
1: can't see it on the podcast, but calluses are starting to go away because I've got the guys who are much better at it than me. But yes, I was pretty handy about one of the reasons I got into this business is that my vacations as a kid were really all about working on people's houses, my family members, or friends, uh, got building it. or fixing. So it was always something I've always enjoyed doing. So it was a passion uh, of mine. So it's been really easy to talk to people about their homes. And since I've started, I've been in 15,000 homes.
0: Yeah, mostly in, because your, your second location is just new. Yeah. Mostly in, in Atlanta. Right, Correct. Okay. So, so then let's delve into that. You, you, you're coming out of corporate world. You have some business background, you have some finance background. What, what, tell us about the process. Cause a lot of people skip the process. They skip the steps. You probably didn't. How did you start sketching out, you know, the business when you said, you know what, I think I'm going to do a handyman type of a business. How did you sketch it out and get that started? Well, before I picked this business, I
1: actually walked down the street in downtown Atlanta to the office of score, which is part of the small business administration yeah. And I Walked right. in and talked to one of the the old gray hairs as he called himself and said, yeah. "You know, I said I'm thinking about starting my own business." He goes, "Do you know what in?" And I said, "Not really." Uh, he said, "Well, here's some tools you can use, and then I also recommend you use a business plan." And this is before the internet was really pervasive with all these business plan templates. And I had a
0: very simple right. business plan template, but I started working on it. And I said, yeah, they I have, have a good know. one. I've actually based mine that I give to clients on theirs. Good on the SCORE one. I think SCORE originally, it's just like an acronym now. I think it stands for like Senior Core of Retired Executives, maybe. Yeah, I should I should like know what that. the acronym is. Um, yeah, I don't think they like the acronym, but yeah. it's it's SCORE. But they're a good group. We I do a lot of speaking for them up in Jersey too.
1: Yeah, definitely a great resource. And the business plan yeah. template, you know, you give it to your clients and people out there thinking about it. I don't see how you could start a business when you know that one out of 10 businesses actually succeed and nine out of 10 okay. fail. And, and you think you're going to be that one out of 10 without a business plan. I think you're just setting yourself That's
0: up. Crazy. That's crazy. I know. And you know what? If you don't, it, look, it's not guaranteed, right? But you'll, you'll see a lot of things coming. You, you anticipate a lot of problems just by working it out on paper and writing down the skill set that you need and your marketing and how you're going to do it and the finances, right? How can you price your product? Are you still going to make money? The, all those kind of you things. You get to
1: make mistakes for free, as I said, because yeah, I've made that's plenty that's of mistakes right. that cost me a ton of money since I started my business. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, we all make mistakes, right? So you want to limit those to the smaller ones and don't make the bigger ones and learn from other people. I love score. I think it's a great place for people to start with a resource of you know, talking to somebody who has experience who can guide you along. So you're not doing it on your own. Yep. Yeah. The other thing that yeah. I, I did, I, I
1: felt like I did a really good job of this, but I'll, I'll tell you how I screwed it up, is that I, I, <laughs> I developed a, a list of mentors, um, guys who are good yeah. at marketing, people good at branding, people who are good at uh, finances, people who are good at CRM systems, people who are good at uh, delivering home service solutions People you could tap into for advice about different things. And so I shared my business plan with them. The one thing I didn't do is I didn't go share it with somebody who was currently in the business I wanted to get in. I shared it because I figured that they wouldn't share with me because I was going to be a competitor. Now, as I've learned now in the entrepreneurial world, just ask and you'll find most guys will probably say, yeah, man, I'm happy to tell you how hard this freaking thing is.
0: (laughs) Right. No, I think the 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 people that are truly in business and are confident with what they do, they don't think like they're going to share something and all of a sudden you're going to put them out of business like that's. You know, I, I know lawyers that are like that, and they're like, "Well, if we give if we give them this for free, they're just going to go do it on their own." I'm like, "You think practicing law is that easy that they're just going to be gone and never talk to us again?" I mean, come on. Exactly right. Yeah, I mean, bitch, you could tell me everything about being a lawyer. And say, all right, man, go ahead. I would fall so f- yeah. fall, fall so fall and so. F- right because like, i've been doing this 30 years i've written hundreds and hundreds of thousands of documents and so forth so yeah good advice i look tab uh, it, you heard in the uh opening sponsors the alternative board is one of our sponsors i'm a big proponent of you know either you know getting a couple of mentors creating a small advisory board having people to run things by but i think your point about tapping into industry experts and people that have experience in that area is is huge yeah and for
1: anybody listening if you're thinking about home services and handyman I'd be happy to talk with you because I'm going to tell you, it's really hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, everything's hard if it's good, right? right? If there's opportunities to do well, make money, it's hard. It's not It's not easy. It just doesn't come. So, well, what kind of things did you – first of all, you said you did it wrong because you should have tapped into somebody from the industry. But what kind of things did you learn – Talking to those people, or did you learn nothing? I learned
1: a ton. Uh, fact, okay. um, again, coming out of this business, uh, into this business, um, I had never done marketing. And one of my big aha moments literally a month into my business was, when I look back at my history, I had never been in a B2C business. I had always been. I My first job in high school, I was a machinist while I was actually working on the dock. And then I got promoted to start working as a machinist. Then I went off to college. Okay. Then I worked as an engineer. Then I worked as a consultant. Everything I did was B2B. I had never worked in B two C. I had never flipped a hamburger, right. so much as done anything. I've opened up a storefront dealing consumers directly, and I just went, "Uh oh, what am I doing?" Uh, but I had right. tapped in and I had built a good brand, uh, and so I got a lot of good feedback there. The one thing also that I didn't do, and I will share this advice too, because uh, I share it all the time now, I didn't share my pro forma with many people, uh, and my pro forma was built on a twenty percent net in the home service business. Meaning that was your gross profit. You thought you'd make 20% net. Net. And right. uh, if you're in home services, you are not making 20% net. I have been at this and talked to so many people throughout my podcast and everybody shares 20% is about double
0: of what your best uh, year will ever. It's a 10% margin business pretty yep. much. And so Is that before taxes? That is before taxes. That's a basically. That's okay. Yep. So
1: it's, it's a yeah. tough business. And and um, one of the things I didn't share that and so one of the things you can put yourself as a test together is you put it together. And here's my question. If you take your revenue projections and put that in half and you take your expenses and you double it, is that still a
0: business you want to start? Yeah. Right, because it's not. It's first of all, you and I know the pro forma is not going to play out the way you think it's going to play out. Mm-hmm. So you're going to make mistakes, and you got to have room for mistakes. When you when you when you try that really st- a big stress test on it, I tell you, it's um, it
1: was a gut check. And looking back on it, would I have uh, actually I've answered this question? I probably wouldn't have. That no, is-
0: knowing that it's a ten percent margin business you would be like that's not margins are big enough. Right, because I
1: because I had only known the consulting world and the banking world where you know if right. you're going to provide uh, consulting services, the margins are higher. Um, right, so I, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have, uh, but here I am, right. uh, I kept going after it and at least twice, I probably should have s- shut the business down, but I'm so hard headed, but, or I'm like most entrepreneurs, I'm optimistic and, right. uh, I love solving problems. So I sat there at three 30 in the middle of the night on my couch, crying myself to sleep, trying to figure out what the hell I just did. I woke up at seven o'clock, got after it and kept going. And here I am 15 yeah. years later on an overnight yeah. success.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Right. It's always an overnight success. It takes 15 or 20 years. So, so, but obviously you, you are confident with your numbers. If you're opening a second location, I am now in a different market. Yep. Yeah. Um,
1: I am confident with our numbers in the, in the, in the service that we're providing and how we hold things now. Uh, and I, I do feel like this is a scalable business. Well, obviously I scaled it in one location. I want to prove I can scale it in multiple locations as yeah. well.
0: Now, do you have any plans to license the name, franchise the the deal,
1: and, you know, right now, stuff like that. Uh, you know, sharing it with your audience? Um, I have looked into franchising and I decided no. Um, I have looked at the licensing option and then I've decided no. Um, right now, my exit strategy, uh, which I truly am working on, uh, it's about four years away. Uh, it's a five year plan. I started uh, five years or a year ago, is mm-hmm. is to get a strategic acquisition um, to be acquired into another okay. home service business. I I'm betting that the, uh, that the home services businesses in major metros are going to consolidate. And this would be one of many offerings that the a, a, a consolidated offering would have.
0: Got it. Now you also formed, if I, looked, if I remember from your bio, some sort of a trade association for um, Handyman or?
1: Well, so it's called the Home Service Institute. Um, we actually provide training to other home service-based businesses around customer service. One of the big things in home services today, anybody thinking about it, if they have their own home and have to have somebody come work in their house, today we are expecting to outsource a number of things in our home, whether right. whatever it may be, but we are also expecting a better level of service than we've had 20, 30 years ago. So right. we really focus on the customer service piece and explain to the technicians in a voice that they'll understand why it's in their best interest to call and text 30 minutes ahead of schedule to be on time and why being on time is so important. Cause you can actually make more money as a technician, you know, right. the struggle as the owner is, you know, we all know what great customer service looks like and the benefits of it because we get to make more money and work with people, but the technicians don't or your service providers, your contractors. And when you explain to them, Hey man, you can have a better life, have a better transaction and a better day, right. a better start to your day. If you just follow these things, They're like, they're buying in. So we developed a series of videos and training modules that can be delivered remotely, um, served through the web. It's called the Home Service Institute, and you can easily roll out this training within your company to build a culture of customer service.
0: So this isn't necessarily acknowledging that owners don't recognize customer service. This is the saying, okay, you need to train your people to get on board and to buy into your vision and to, you know, be champions of the cause or whatever. And this is how we're going to teach them to do it. And this is, and you teach them this way and you you get them
1: on what's in it for me. And we have been able to develop these modules and really train our team here. And we've trained some other companies as well, where you're seeing some uplift. So as an owner, I get to see, uh, great reviews, uh, but reviews mean great referrals and that, so that's better money. So now I don't have to spend as much on advertising. Right, of course. My guys uh, also uh, are staying with me longer. My average tenure now is, is significantly longer than it was. When I first started this training 10 years ago, my average tenure was seven months. Now I've got, seven guys, months. Have seven months. Now I've got guys who've been with me for seven years. We've uh, got yeah. guys who've been with me. Our average tenure right now is a little over a year and a half.
0: Yeah, so it makes the relationship more sticky. But you found that there was a lack of of that kind of training and understanding in the business, I guess. Right? Absolutely. Because as
1: owners, when I, and especially when I talk to other owners, they're like, no, nah, no, nah, man, let's talk about pay-per-click. Let's talk about how to get better customers. But right. but customer service is sales. And if you already have a right. customer, you've acquired that customer, why aren't you getting more share of their wallet? Right. right. Retention. Yeah. yeah, And so we, uh, we train our guys on how to add sales, not necessarily be salesmen, but add on while they're there. And why is that in their best interest? Because, you're
0: there and the customer wants to do more work with you, you get to make more money. Right, 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 right. So, um, all right. So you have that and then you also have the podcast, right? So are you just crazy like me or is there a reason why you started the podcast because you also felt there was something you needed to teach people or?
1: So uh, I have my book from the zoo to the wild and I wanted to be able to have a vehicle to promote that, um, But I am a little crazy like you, just doing it, uh, putting it out (laughs) there. And then I convinced, even crazier, I convinced one of my buddies who's doing it for free. As a matter of fact, I make him bring the beer sometimes when we get together. Uh, So I make him pay to be on the thing with me. Um, We've been doing it for about a year and a half, but, man, we're having a lot of fun. You know, the way we attack it, just like you and I are talking now, is just let's have a conversation. Let's try to edutain people. I'm going to try to educate you a little bit, but, man, I'm going to try to really entertain you with some stupid stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah but, it, but it, it is to help business owners. I mean, that's the whole 100%. Uh, so yeah,
1: if you're thinking about starting your own business, listen to these podcasts because uh, hopefully you'll pick up some nuggets. Do I say anything that's yeah. earth shattering? You know, I'm not Stephen Covey. I'm not Peter Drucker. I'm not the, the E-myth, uh, but you're Chris Lalamia. but I'm funny. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> so you can at least learn a few stories that way. And then if you're trying to scale a business, um, That has been uh, extremely difficult because for a lot of us to scale a business, I'd love to tell you that we could use AI or we could use robots and we don't have people, but truly for almost all the businesses out there, if you really want to scale, you need people. And if you need people, you need process. And if you need process, that's a boring conversation, but we try to make it fun. So we talk about different ways people have scaled and try to bring people on who are experts in scaling and start to take those little steps because you know it's not from from day one to year 15. And here I am an overnight success. There's been a lot of trial yeah. and
0: error. Of course. And and when you talk about business development like that, yeah, you can't just put out ads and start bringing in new business. You have to be able to handle the business and have people to support the business. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a challenge. All right, good. So, so we're talking about, um, let's talk a little bit about your book because I think that, uh, That's kind of where it all started and all this stuff's kind of sprouting out of it and why you write. I'm writing a book too. It should be out, I don't know, waiting for a copy from the publisher, but everybody seems to be writing a book. So what made you do the same thing?
1: Right. So everybody's wrote a book. Everybody has a podcast, blah, blah, blah. Why do you do it? And the reason is I just felt like I wanted to get my voice out there. Um, It's an easy read. I've actually got one with me from the new Wild, but um, I wrote it for somebody like me, a little ADD, a little time starved. Uh, rather listen to a 10 minute podcast or an Audible book. But I wrote right. it for somebody like me, where you're going to pick up a few nuggets. So it talks about my journey of leaving the corporate world. Uh, my aha moment was I looked at a gorilla in the zoo, and uh, I was strolling my kids through the Atlanta Zoo. Here, and uh, we had a famous gorilla called Willie B at the time, and I looked at him okay. and I'm like, "Look at you, man! You thought you were the king of the jungle. Now I know it's the lion." But I was looking at him, and he's in there. He's got a tire. A handler threw in a bunch of bananas. He went over there and ate them. And he had these four plastic plexiglass walls around him with one door that took him out there. And I went, God, man! I mean, I, I, you know, here I am, king of the world myself. I'm top of the world. I had 400 people working for me, Mercedes, custom suits. You know, taking time to take my kids to the zoo. As I threw it away, I went, Oh my God, that's me! (laughs) I'm not in the wild world. That's Booth, right? So I talk about that. Uh, I talk about the business planning journey. And uh, then in the second half of the book, I talk about uh, training what I call my lone wolves. Uh, My home service providers are carpenters and electricians and drywall specialists and painters. And these guys are all skilled artists, but they really view themselves as lone wolves. And so I invite them into our wolf pack because it's a delicate move on how you handle them. And I don't care if you're in computer programming because I've talked to guys about this uh and if you think about it, even in a law firm right if you try to choke down an associate too much they're not going to be much you want them to no. be that hungry lawyer that's going to go out there solve problems and try a case the right way or develop the right uh angle and argument and if you choke them down too much they're going to come to you and what are they going to ask you hey M- mitch how do you do this right. Well, that's why i hired you buddy <laughs> right make himself sufficient yeah yeah absolutely so that's the book it's uh it, it is definitely about my journey uh, I felt like I was on top, even even six years ago. I felt like I was doing really well, and I had a mentor come to me and say, "Wow, you know, I was giving him my update, you know, yeah. promoting myself, feeling like I had finally got there." And he looks at me and says, "Man, sounds like you're kind of in a rut." I was like, "What?" This is when you were at the bank? No, this is when I was running my business, and I were already in the, the business. Book, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I felt like yeah. I was there, and he he called me on it. He said, "Man, sounds like <laughs> you're in a rut." And I went back to my office and spent four hours on a Friday night from six to ten, and then went. Wow, he's right. I'm in a rut, so I had to rethink the process and what I was doing, and, and get myself out of that rut
0: and continue that growth journey that I was on. Got it, got it, got it. Well, I think that especially as entrepreneurs and small business owners, we always kind of—I don't know if the word is reinventing ourselves. I mean, people do that and they reinvent themselves, and maybe they go to they start a different company or they change careers or whatever. But I think we always kind of have to maybe refresh is a better word, right? Because we do get in a rut and we do kind of get caught up with the day to day, you know, which is some of what the strategic planning is all about working with mentors and, you know, keeping, you know, outside the forest a little bit when you're working on your business as opposed to working, um, in your business. But I'm, I'm curious, and maybe we could do this. i will take a, like a two minute commercial break, which like I told you before, hopefully will work. Didn't work in the last episode, but that's okay. And, um, and then we could talk about some advice for, you know, people in different industries, what mistakes you see people make on a regular basis and how to kind of, you know, overcome those don't get in the rut, keep growing the business and, and you don't have to be the person that scales, you can do whatever you want. That's one of the beauties of being a business for yourself. But, you know, the things that you've learned along the way, some of which I'm sure we'll discuss on your podcast as well. But I, I think it, it you know, it lends itself to multiple conversations, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yep, yeah, I agree. All right, let's jump to the commercials and then we will come back. So hopefully you will hear these. (laughs) Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to market and grow your business? Or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running? AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations to make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. A Weber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. Through unique combinations of one-on-one business coaching, participation in monthly TAB board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools and customized strategic planning workshops, TAB membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at TAB invite you to try risk-free. Maybe you're looking to get into podcasting or you just want to market your business. Maybe you want to do it for enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast, and they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts, as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets, and be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created especially for our listeners. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. All right, Chris. Uh, so welcome back from our extended commercial break. It's been so long that I actually appeared on your podcast. Uh, How about that? Yeah. And uh, people may notice your shirt change a little bit. So Chris and I were talking <laughs> in the first half of the show and in their infinite wisdom, the cable company decided to cut the line to his building because they're doing work in the neighborhood, and we totally lost connection. So we had to reschedule the second half of this. But, Chris, we were trying to start to get into advice for you know entrepreneurs and business owners and things you've learned and advice you give out on your podcast and all that kind of stuff. So why don't I take it from there, and then I'll – you take it from there, and then I'll ask you questions as we go along.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm glad that we were able to get back together. Yes, Um uh, <laughs> I literally had just the day before talked about making sure you have a good business resumption strategy Yeah, um, that, you know, when COVID hit, we could work from home. So here I am in my office. I've got my uh, six employees who are in the office. Everybody's out and and, and because we're a web enabled company with voice over IP phones. All virtual. Right. So uh, we had to sit there and work through that, but we are back. But um, I just gave some advice uh, to a subcontractor of mine this morning that I think is something that I I obviously have been bringing up a lot with people is that you you have to have processes. Right. But I think go out there and do some work uh, and then figure out what the process needs to be and then improve it. Yeah. But as Warren Buffett says, being bigger, isn't better. Being better is better. Right. And I just had a subcontractor say, man, you know, but he says, Chris, I want to be like you. Well, you know, I've got 44 employees and it, take me four, it took me 14 years to get to that. Yeah. Well, you can't go from two to seven and right. not expect some bumps in the road. And that's what exactly what he did. And I said, now you're going to have to reset and get back. Do what you do best. Uh, and I told him a story. that At the time, it was a handyman company. We did all handyman work. So thousand one of our biggest jobs was probably 12000 okay. Well, One of the sales guys landed an $80,000 bathroom and basement remodel. Okay. When we were done with the project, and I got all the receipts, and we were just started new job costing, and I got everything in, and then we missed one last receipt, and we got that in, my hard costs out of pocket were eighty four thousand dollars for
0: an eighty thousand dollars revenue job. So that's I lost lot, four grand. For those people listening, that's a four thousand dollar loss.
1: That's a hard loss, man. Right. That wasn't just a I didn't make my margin. That was true money out the door. Right. And you planning. And you go, hmm. How'd you do there? Uh, right. It would have been cheaper for me to write him a $2,000 check and go back and start making money.
0: Right. That's true. So maybe that was taking on too much too soon is what you're saying at that point?
1: Too much too soon. I think sometimes, you know, you listen to me on a podcast or if you follow me on social media, you know, I'm taking a lot of trips now. Um, But I didn't in the beginning. And people say, oh, man, you got the good life. I want to be like you. Took you a long time to get there it takes a long time to get there. And I've never heard that, you know, you, you hear about these guys who bootstrap and next thing you know, they're yeah, a hundred million dollar business. in six months. Right. I know they all struggled. And everybody has struggled. Yeah. And if they don't, if they say they didn't struggle, then they weren't trying because right. they weren't getting there. And that's the thing where I'd like to put out that aura out into the universe. I, I mean, I'm authentic, but I keep it positive. Yeah. But I don't tell you about the times where the cable company decided to upgrade me on a Friday morning while my business was flying around. So, right. you know, we, so you don't want to talk about those, but yeah, you struggle. And I think that's the thing when you're chasing something, uh, you've just got to sometimes take a breath and then get after what is the process? How could it be better? And then right. can I scale that process?
0: So maybe do you do a little strategic planning and then put it into place and see how it's working. And then is that working to work out your processes and then maybe scale a little bit more and, and grow it. You know, so, it's not like you're doing a business plan or you're doing a strategic plan, you go out and you execute the whole thing. It's in parts and it's in steps because that's the way to do it it's safer, right? That's the way to avoid big mistakes. Luckily, your mistake didn't come in 160000 and it was an $80,000 job. It even would have been, a, it was a small, it was, you know, in hindsight, maybe 4000 was a lot of money then, but, you know, your margins on a $12,000 job were probably, that was probably more than your margins on the right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So,
1: yeah, I think I think that's the the thing that everybody has to check up again. Like some and sometimes you know, uh, I went out there and would change three or four things at once, and something would not work, and you had to figure out of the three or four which of the one th- one four changes done. you put in, which one wasn't working. So that's the kind of stuff uh, that I I don't think people give enough thought to before they do things. And everybody says, "Wow, I just want to be like him and be on the golf course at uh, Friday at one o'clock," which is one of the reasons I started to start my business because I right. saw all these. I was in the corporate world and all these guys were golfing at one. I'm like, I can't even get home before six on Friday. I can't believe you guys
0: are golfing. (laughs) Exactly. So you do golf? I do. Oh, okay, good. All right. Well, so that, but that, those are some of the rewards that come from, whether you're a golfer or a fisherman, whatever, come from, you know, the hard, the hard work. But I I think you're right. I I talk to a lot of people and that what they do is they will try to get everything right which they know, you know, it's never right. So they try to do all this stuff and plan out this whole thing. And then first of all, they have a little, you know, they're hesitant to get started, but I think they, they potentially can make a lot of big mistakes. And if you kind of just take little baby steps and adjust it as you go, you avoid a lot of those and get advice as you go and work with mentors and, you know, people like you who have made mistakes and learned, um, but I guess in hindsight, if that job was a $18,000 job or a $22,000 job, only one or two times bigger than you had done, you may have been able to pull it off.
1: Yeah. And that's, uh, that's the thing that, uh, people, uh, I think sometimes we miss, you know, we're in a lane and that lane's working pretty well, but we see this other lane and they, maybe they're going faster. I'm going to jump in that lane, but you're not ready. Yeah. You're not up to speed and you're going to get, you're going to get wrecked. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, especially in remodeling, there's all different kinds of remodelers. There's the jack legs who have their pickup trucks and come out of their basement. And then there's the design build firms that have a studio you go to, to pick out selections and get to see a 3D rendering before you even start your job. And so, you know, those guys are $500,000 plus guys. And yeah, of course, different
0: client, different customer, different jobs, different contracts, different pieces that are moving around the board. The other guy just manages on his own. Yeah. Local. Right. Yeah.
1: So if he tried to turn around and do a $500,000 project for somebody who expect white glove service and want to go look at a design studio, they'd be, he, 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 would not, he would fail because right. he's not in that lane. He's in this lane. Yeah. It's not
0: his world. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the kind of things you talk about on your podcast when it comes to, you know, small business owners and the kind of tools that they should use, not necessarily in your industry. And I mean that no pun intended tools, but um, you know, but I like that. the That's kind of good. things that you talk about. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Some of the things, especially when we talk about is in the scaling part, we talk a lot about starting, um, but you know, nine out of 10 businesses fail. And right. if you want to be, if you want to be that one that doesn't fail is that in the beginning, cash is king. Uh, sales are queen and you've got to make sure that your king and queen are rolling. Um, yeah. So you can get yourself going. And then I uh, in my world uh, I'm so focused on my business and a lot of the other kind of businesses I've talked to the only way to really scale is people. And so your key to scaling your is people. Right, yeah. yeah. And and again as you do that the scaling piece uh you hear it every time it comes down to people. Um but I do also think uh what we talk about is leadership, um developing your culture in your company because you have a culture whether you know it or not. And over the arc of my 15 years now uh because it'll be 15 years here uh, in another week. Right. Um, I've had to change my style numerous times to fit the, fit the model and fit what worked best. Yeah. So we've talked about that. Uh, Aside of the people part, just also making sure you know your numbers uh, and have those sit back mm -hmm, uh, and sit back there. So we've talked a lot about those. We just had a great guy on who's a serial entrepreneur. I mean, we actually made a joke uh, the whole time it's coming out uh, later, but I don't know if you ever saw that little reindeer uh, caddy pooper. It's like a reindeer pooper scooper. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> I said, exactly. I said, you're, I said you're like the reindeer pooper of businesses. I'm like, how many do you have? He said, oh, now I got seven. I'm like, oh my god. I said, I said, wait a minute. Oh, do you must have just started another one because right. we're on the phone for five were minutes. They all related,
0: like in some way, or so interesting play in his part.
1: Yes, they were. Uh, so um, he liked vehicles. Uh, he started a detailing business. Uh huh. Sure. He and his wife actually were the ones doing the detailing. Then they realized they needed a software to run that uh, detailing business because they started to scale. They needed the processes and they needed job descriptions. But the software yeah. became software. Now he sells to other detailers, window
0: tinters. Uh, oh, auto he created records. the software to run the business. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We so we created yeah. that software. Um, and then people were coming in saying, man, I really like the other cars I'm seeing getting detailed because usually people who are getting their cars detailed are usually a little bit nicer clientele. Yeah. But they couldn't find other exotic vehicles, so they opened up a car dealership. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> that's
0: a bigger that's a bigger endeavor.
1: Whoa, right? So, got a business partner. Uh, he um, he actually runs a cell phone company. Uh, sells cell phones out of a kiosk. Uh, it's just and why was that complimentary? Because people were in there and they were on their phones and uh, and he, he just got like to one thing on led phone. to another, basically. Yeah, and so. How did he, how was he able to pull it off? We talked about that and it was obviously he had to have the right people in place and he has to, he had to know the right metrics to follow and measure.
0: Yeah. I wonder about a guy, you know, some people just have a knack for, for business and they don't do the kind of strategic planning that other people need to do. Like they do it in their head or they, they, they get it done. Uh, And other people don't find it that easy. It doesn't mean that they can't be successful, it's like they, they got to be a little bit more methodical. They have to things written down. They have to kind of strategize things a little bit better. It sounds to me like this guy would just like roll from one thing, you know. Yeah, he was. Another. It was. A,
1: uh, it, it was almost as good as your interview. Okay, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean his energy and it, you're right. I think this is the kind of guy which is uh, I think this would be interesting. I don't know if you'd agree with this or not. But if I said, hey, I'm gonna you're going to start a business, but you have to start at the Disney way and you got to have a business plan. And I need to have that 20 page business plan in my uh, right. in my hands, approved, embedded through a committee. And yeah. then we'll to start your business. I think that would probably drive him insane and yeah. drive him to start it. Right.
0: And, and I think most business owners don't need that level of detail either, but they need to have a place to go back to and say, what was it that I was going to do? How was I going to do it? Why didn't that work? Yeah. You know, it's like you said, you test I think you test a lot of things, but if you do too many at a, one time, you can't really determine what it is that's wrong.
1: Yeah. You know, when I first started my business, my business plan said I was going to pay my guys on a percentage of the job. So okay. in our world, if I, if I charged a thousand dollars, I would pay them 240. Okay. And so okay. that's what I was going to do. Well, when I first got started, I didn't have the jobs. I didn't have the discipline. So I just paid these guys by the hour. Here I am six months into it. And I realized I'm just paying them by the hour, paying them by the hour. And in the month of January, we had a cold snap here where actually we had to shut down because of an ice storm for two days. Um, I went to pay everybody on a weekly basis. I paid out more in payroll than I did in revenue generation. I didn't. I didn't bring in enough revenue
0: to cover their. So payroll. These guys were still on payroll even though they weren't able to go work. Yeah. So uh,
1: so three weeks later, I changed the whole thing back to my what my original business plan was, and I, the reason I didn't implement it. Was because I just got off, started winging it, and hourly is a lot easier to calculate, and right. hourly is a lot easier to explain to people and give them a set number. And um, I learned a lesson and, and made that move pretty quick, so I didn't lose. I didn't lose for too right. long.
0: Well, you can you could. I guess you could do it hourly, but it would have to be the hours worked. It would have to be on yep. the job. You pu- punch in, you put in your hours, you get paid. If you're not working for whatever reason, it's a da- that's a dangerous way to live.
1: Yep, yep. So it was in my business plan. It was right there, and I right. went didn't follow it. So so much for having a plan there, tough guy. You better
0: follow it. Exactly. Yeah. I I also wanted to make a point. You were talking about scaling before. You know, scaling doesn't necessarily mean, you and I were talking about this in the first half, I think, or maybe off the mic, whatever. Scaling doesn't necessarily mean for the people listening that you're going to build a franchise system. It, It depends on what you, you're scaling your business, but I don't think you're intending to franchise, right? You're just building several locations to support different markets, right?
1: Yeah, I got some good advice, and, and I, I probably need to bring this up more. Always build your business for an exit, um, yeah. which is hard to do in the beginning. Um, right. It's hard to it be is. thinking about like that because you're like, hey, I'm just building this to get out of I'm it. Trying well, to get going. Yeah. So uh, in my world, I have tested the franchise model, uh, which a number of franchises out there like mine uh, are out there and going. I've chosen to not franchise my business, but yeah. I've chosen to put
0: all the processes in as if I did. Yeah, Um, to be able to run a. If somebody wants to buy it, they might have the inclination to franchise. I know I have a client up here that owns a Mister Handyman franchise. He bought it from another guy. who was looking to exit, and he was a corporate guy. He's a little handy, I guess, but he doesn't. He runs the business. He's got guys guys working for him, and it was it was an ongoing business. And I I don't think he would have bought into it if it wasn't a a franchise that had a support system. I mean, that's really what a good franchise comes down to, right? It's a it, it may be a name, it may be not, but it's it's a support system of business owners and a and a parent company supporting what you're what you're doing. At least that's the good ones are, you know.
1: I agree, hundred percent. If you have a good one, that's what they do. And if you have a good franchisee, then they understand that you don't just sit in your office and let the money right. come to you. You actually have to be the operator. You've got support and help and a and a system, but you've got to be out there doing the your marketing exactly. and your sales right. because it's the same thing whether a franchise or not cash is king sales is queen you got to get out there and keep
0: right mind. yeah i mean a franchise just gives you kind of the business in a box and say here's the parts you still got to do the same stuff even though maybe yeah. you got a parent behind you that can support you when you're down and crying and whatever you're doing but exactly right um but i think i think yeah the whole exit thing i think a lot of people overlook because they they're like their business is a um is a is a lifestyle business i mean basically supporting their lifestyle and one day they're like oh well i don't want to do this forever i want to retire so let me sell my business and i get business owners come to me all the time i'm like well, what what is anybody gonna buy i mean maybe your client list is worth some money but you don't have you know you don't have like subscriptions right where you're taking care of homes and you got homeowners or business owners on retainer you don't have things like that so what do you have? I mean, do you have employees? Do you have processes? Do you have a name? Do you have all these pieces that kind of get put together? And you can't do it in six weeks, six months even. You need no, years to be prepared for it.
1: I'm actually uh, I'm, 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 actually got the countdown going. I'm in my, my second year of my five-year plan. So, yeah, it's I've got, three to five uh, years is the number, right? Yep. Exactly. Um, and, and you're right. I think I just saw another stat on biz, buy, sell. 87% of the businesses out there will not be sold.
0: No, no, because there's nothing to buy nothing to buy. Right. Yes. If I can go and, uh, you know, buy your, uh, uh, bagel shop, right. You have some equipment, you got people eating your bagels. And at the same token, I could open a bagel shop next door and run you out of business. Then what, what are you buying? You yep.
1: What, yeah, what are you buying? So that's, right. that's where I'm trying to shift. And I, I intentionally said, I had a guy ask me, is this a capital, is this a capital appreciation play or is this a lifestyle play for you? And I said, well, it's going to be a lifestyle. Right. Um, now, um, uh, I'm actually, he's a mentor of mine and, um, I actually have, have him on the books in a month to get back together and say, okay, now lifestyle, but I want to, I want to exit that lifestyle or be able to have it, uh, support me to, but while I'm doing other things, um, so we're, I'm going to have him, we're just knocking around a little bit because, you know, there's software plays out there. Guys who, uh, build their software, don't draw a dime, put all their money back in their business, keep going, hopefully to get acquired for that big exit out. Right. Um, which again is another very hard thing to do. Very hard, uh, it's so, risky.
0: Yeah, and very risky. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, you want your business to support your lifestyle, to give you income, and to eventually make it easier for you to work less.
1: Yep. I think that's why, we, as you start to build for uh, exit, um, you yeah. start to think like that. You actually make some different choices. I mean, I've made some choices on. Um, I didn't jump in to solve a problem. I made the team solve the problem. And now that problem is not mine. And now it's theirs. And now they have a, a way to do that. Right. And I'm the, I'm the last I'm the last level of recourse when it comes to escalation of issues.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a, a you know, there's a skill to leadership and managing your practice and empowering your people. You know, I know a lot of people that had they didn't exit their business and sell their business, there's nothing to sell, but they have really good people working for them. And they don't have to be in the office every day and they have a lot of flexibility and they can go work on other businesses, looking at ventures, whatever they happen to be doing because they put the right people in place. They trusted the people to kind of learn and get empowered. I think business owners have a lot of trouble with that. Like it's with children, right? You, you're just afraid to, to let go. And, and at some point you have to try. If it doesn't it work, then maybe that is in the wrong job or they're the wrong person for the company or whatever. But you got to kind of shake that out. And I think a lot of business owners are afraid of that.
1: Absolutely afraid of it. Right. Because that's your baby. It's your reputation. And, and you know, your reputation will take some hits. And you're like, how come that how come that individual let that happen to my business? Right. Um, and now you have to decide how you're going to react. Um, and what I have been doing as of late, again, I'm the last level uh, of escalation of issues. Yeah. And but. Since I have done this in the last two years, we've gotten more Google reviews than we ever have and more five stars than we ever had. So we're actually better now than when I was in there and strangling everybody and, and getting involved in every single
0: issue. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, you get to the point where you should be doing the big things, not sweeping the floors. Yeah. You know, I, I think another trap that business owners tend to run into as they become successful the one or two people it's often usually one person right who was with them from early on and kind of was their assistant and then grew up to be the office manager and is 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 got 14 hats and he or she never gave up certain things and they, they their their um job was never redefined the business becomes almost so dependent on that person that you get to the point where you you better like give the person a month off say listen we're gonna pay you Go away for a month and let's see if we can operate this business. Because some people they have, they're very beholden to one or two employees who, you know, quote unquote, have the keys to the castle and and have control. And they don't own the business; they're just asking for more income and you know stuff like that. I walk out the door. So I, I've found a lot of business owners put themselves in vicarious in not vicarious—that's the wrong word—in precarious positions, in precarious, yep. right? Yeah, because yep. they rely too much on you know one person to run their business. You got to kind of do both.
1: And it's harder to do uh, what I feel like I've done. is been able to separate uh, duties, yeah. so I'm not beholden to one person, right? Um, but you know what? It's a lot harder to do that. It and is more so expensive, and you make less money because that means you have to have two people where you thought maybe just one could have pulled it off, right? But you're not in that position, like you said, where if that if that person came into you on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock and said, yeah. "I'm not coming back on Monday," I'm right?
0: I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. And business owners do that, and they scrounge around, and they're like, "Where were the keys to that?" I think it was in her desk. Uh, who had this? I think he did. And it's uh, yeah, it, it's difficult. And I, like you said, it is difficult, and it is more costly. But I think the the risk of of it of you know losing that employee is it's a bigger impact on the business if it were to happen. It's like buying insurance, right? You think, well, I mean, it's not going to happen, but if it does, you're out of business without insurance. Right. So you don't even have a choice. It's not a question of how often, you know, what's the chances of you dying in the next five years? Probably not very high, but that doesn't mean you don't buy life insurance because it's happening to somebody. And if it happens to you, you know, the business falls apart, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely, that's one of the things I did. I put in my book is that I had a functional org chart from day one. Um, now I filled every box.
0: Right. But it doesn't have to be right. full
1: at the beginning. Yeah. So and then my first office employee was my my first CSR. So now she was taking the first calls, got but it. I was still, I was still filling every other box. And then eventually I got an operations manager and then eventually I got somebody who did accounts payable, accounts receivable, and uh, our bookkeeping work. But they also double teamed as uh, also answering the phones. So, Chris, so I, what
0: did you do? You laid out like a, what your vision of the company would be as it grew and said, listen, this is where I want to be. I only have these two people, but I got seven other positions. This is what they do, and then you kind of filled that in, adjusted it going forward. Exactly right. That's so
1: I had I had a CSR, um, mm-hmm. customer service representative, right? Customer service, yeah. Uh, head of sales, okay. that was me. Um, operations and scheduler, that was me. Okay. Lead technician, that was me.
0: <laughs> and, in a lot of the boxes at the beginning.
1: Marketer, right. that was me. Chief yeah. marketing officer, um, I was our also. I was our CFO chief financial officer. So I filled all those roles. Oh, I was also the head of HR, but I had all those boxes sitting there. Yeah. Um, And then I started to put job descriptions as I needed them. What did I want to start getting rid of? Uh, Yeah. Things that we do as owners is we do everything at first, but there are things I don't want to do. There's things I'm not good at. There are things I'm really good at. um, Not worth your time. But not worth my time. So you got to figure out what those are and then start to bundle it together and go, okay, you know what? Now I have an office manager. And so the office manager is going to do all the things I don't want to do, which is I'm going to entrust her to answer the phones, but also uh, keep track of the books for me while I'm out running around doing the sales and collecting the money and doing all that. Right. And then eventually we split the book bookkeeping away from her because she didn't like doing it. Um, and we brought somebody else in and, but still answered phones and did the bookkeeping.
0: Yeah. I, I, I like that approach because people are visual, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have if you lay out your organizational chart and you're in 90% of the boxes, then you can just focus on, okay, how do I get out of this box? I get this person. She's really good. Let me put her in there. How do I get out of this box? And then slowly but surely, you're the last guy on the top and you're not filling any other boxes. Yep.
1: Yes. And that's, um, that's uh, it, it also helps with you thinking about your day to day and your week to week because you can get really frustrated trying to do everything at once. Yeah. And I was also guilty of doing that. I, you know, I would get really frustrated. I was out there, you know, uh, fixing up some cock in the bathroom. That I one of my out fires all day. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm up there doing that. But I, I was missing a sales call I was supposed to be on. And I, I wasn't answering the phone because I had my phone on silent. So I had three voicemails I had to pick up. Oh, by the way, I had to get back to the office to write the checks for everybody for payroll. And, I, and I, you know, that was a day. Yeah. And uh, you're like, whoa. And so I started to really start to segment those things out.
0: Yeah. I, I think under no circumstances should you be putting caulk in a shower or a tub. That is a yeah. really bad use of your time.
1: That was a bad use of my time because, number one, I'm not that fast at it. I'm, right. I'm okay at it. I get good quality, but you got to do it all the time and you can be good at it. And that's why I said from now on I'm not our, I'm not our number one fixer.
0: Right. And, and you know what? That is a constant problem of business owners. Doing the things maybe they had to do at the beginning, I understand, right? But doing the little things, the, the operational things that they absolutely should not be doing, but they're either afraid that nobody else can do it as good as me, which isn't true, Or, you know, I I can't pay that person. It's going to cost me more. They got to figure it out. Or maybe they shouldn't be doing this as a business. Like, that's not the way you grow a business.
1: Or this. uh, So I have grown up with Outlook Mail. I've used Uh Microsoft's Office 365. I can jockey around in it. I can put signatures in. I'm I'm pretty proficient. I'm not an expert. But um, when I bring somebody on board, I try to teach them how to use Outlook. And then, isn't it easier just to grab the PC and just do it for them? Uh, it's just quicker, right? You're like, you know, That's like easier. not a good
0: use of your time. You got to train mm-hmm. them to learn to do to take it over. You're not going to be, yeah. Doing I can't that. answer your emails for
1: you, man. You got to learn how to answer emails on your phone or your laptop, right? And that was in the beginning. I mean, today, now most people in our business in the business world know how to do this stuff. But it's a great example. Of,
0: you know, just got so a lot of software is. that people don't. You know, you're like, oh, just give it to me, I'll do it. No, but now you're yeah. giving up you don't realize how much you're giving up.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, as I train new sales guys now, that's where I jump into the business pretty hard As I train our new sales guys. Uh, so the first month and a half, I'm with them a lot, usually uh, in the beginning, every other day, and then it becomes uh, two days a week and then one day a week. But I want them to understand my culture and all the stuff I've seen. Uh, but my sales manager has taken over the other part of the training now. Um, so that's one spot where I jump in and, you know, you jump in and you start to teach these guy our software that we use to write estimates. And again, Caesar just give me that thing, right? You no, know? I'll just do the okay. estimates. You know, that's crazy done in ten minutes. Right, uh, but let's take thirty minutes. And now you should know what to do. So right. your
0: job is to understand and not have me ever tell you again and save you the ten minutes times a hundred that you would have been yep. doing them quick, quote unquote. So now I yeah. So now
1: um, after I'm done training this guy, we'll be up to five sales guys and a sales manager. Um, so you're right, those guys, those five guys, and a the salesman, there's six of them out there running around can do more estimates than me in a day. Right. So they're scaled, but I've, they've scaled with my training and now they're out there doing their
0: work. And are they business development guys? They're looking for business or you're getting the leads and sending them out on jobs? How's that work?
1: So, uh, I, so I, uh, the marketing is we get a call in, we determine if we can uh, send a, a, a handyman out directly to the house or okay. we need to go out there on site and do an estimate. In a remodeling job or uh, another thing. So these guys are remodeling sales. We call them
0: estimators, not sales guys. Right. And where's the call in coming from? How's it coming to you? Why? So um, I've done a, this is one where I did pretty good with the marketing Uh Uh, here in the Metro
1: Atlanta area. um, I've got a a marketing strategy that's worked pretty well. So we get anywhere between 20 and 50 new business calls a
0: day. A day? A day. And where are you doing your marketing? Whatever.
1: So of course everybody's going to go right to, Oh,
0: you must be on the internet. You got it. Yes. No, but you're Uh, local not necessarily.
1: We, uh, Google, my business is huge for any local business, uh, like mine. Um, that is huge. Um, but I've done what I've done with mine. I really haven't coined a phrase for it. I'm sure there is a great marketing phrase for it, but I did a lot of different media in uh, in concentrated areas. So I am in four print books. Uh, I'm on the radio, uh, at a home fix it show where I go in four times a year and then I'm on his website. Uh, I also uh, do a lot of networking and contractor referrals. Um, so it. larger contractors refer us on the smaller stuff.
0: Right. But it's not, it's not profitable for them to deal with it. Right. So back to the stay in your lane, those guys
1: know that for them to deploy their, their high white glove remodeling service to go fix Susie's uh, sink that's leaking. Right. Doesn't, doesn't work for them.
0: No way. Yeah,
1: absolutely. But we've been able to make it work. So that's been good. Um, for me, believe it or not, pay-per-click has not been as good as I thought it would be. Okay. Because uh, that's very targeted, right? It's very local. Very targeted, very local. Um, our SEO, our website does pretty well. We get anywhere between 13 and 1500 unique views a month. Decent. It's my Google, my business page, which has blown my blown my doors off. We get seven to 9,000 like, so reviews
0: month. and stuff like that. Like you're constantly getting yeah. reviews from clients. We're constantly getting reviews, we're constantly getting photos. It's tremendous, much more than anything else. People are looking, they want to see what other people have to say, the experiences they had with you, it's very important.
1: And Google has put a lot more emphasis on that Google My Business page. Um, In fact, they've got another name for it. You have to go through through the map now. But, you know, Google is, again, a purveyor of information. You have a request, they want to make sure they're getting the best information to you based on your request. They're always analyzing it uh, behind the scenes. But the one thing they also are is they're a business, and they want to keep you on Google's website as much as they can, of course, to get people to pay for advertising.
0: Right, right, right. right.
1: So our Google My Business page uh, in a home service uh, environment or anything that's locally based, if you're not focused on that, that is just so easy, low hanging fruit. That's not spending five thousand dollars a month on pay per click and right. another two thousand on SEO. This is just put some photos out there, some reviews out there, put it out there, and you'll see it start to work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I know this is a half a show. So we're coming up on 30 minutes. All right. Um, before you drop off, we go to the commercial, the uh, closing credits. Tell us about because I know about it. But tell me, about, tell everybody about the podcast, your podcast, how they can connect with you and learn from you, all those types of things.
1: Yeah, so my uh, my podcast is the Small Business Safari, uh, where we kick it around, uh, bring people on to help you understand how to either start a business if you're thinking about doing it or scaling a business. It's called okay. the Small Business Safari, love that. Uh, so you can always find me out there on LinkedIn. Um, I have a pretty fun page on Instagram called the Customer Service Freak because uh, I'm all about customer okay. service and building that. Uh, you know, and so you got there and check me out and I have a website called Chris Lalamia.com where you can find all our details about my businesses between the home service Institute, the podcast, and then the trusted toolbox, which is the big one.
0: All right. Well, I thank you coming back on to finish the show. It's it's and, I think, and I thank the
1: cable company for allowing me to stay connected <laughs> exactly, to you. Exactly.
0: To keep you in business. That's always nice. I'm well, going to play the closing credits. I hope you hear them because that means it's working, but who knows what's happening these days. And um let's, you know, definitely stay in touch. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to it. I definitely want to stay in touch. All right. Thanks, Chris. All right, man. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the accidental entrepreneur, opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and made to order music for information about Howie and his music services. Please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Bionacker and produced by Bionacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeineckerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.